What's up, people? Welcome back to the BCMA Podcast. It's your boy, Lucky, from Lucky's Muay Thai, and this is episode number 13, I think. Um, it's been a fantastic week. Uh, for me, I am so stoked. You guys have no idea. I am moving. No, I am not uh, joining the mass exodus out of Florida or California or wherever people are doing, but I'm moving out of the apartment I've been in uh, for the last couple of years, which was you know, necessary at the time, unfortunately, not the most, um, amazing place to say the least. And, uh, it's, you know, been a little bit dangerous at times and, uh, a lot of, uh, ne'er-do-wells around, but, uh, nonetheless, we made it through the last couple of years, which are some of the hardest years of my life. And the gym has been fantastic, um, for me to help me sort of balance everything. And I'm finally out of this place. So I'm super stoked. Um, shout out to Fade and Real Estate for, you know, hooking up the new domicile because he gave me the push to really go for it. So, man, and then he put in the effort to make it happen. So big shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Will Bondi for, uh, Will Bondi's one of my students. He's a pilot, but he's all over the world all the time. And he really, really helped me make this happen as well. It has been a godsend lately. Uh, the gym is doing great right now. Uh, little by little, we're adding a little bit more as far as classes go, hours go. We're just trying to accommodate everybody that's wanting to practice and, and be healthy right now during this time. It's really still nuts out there. So I'm stoked about that. It was also the Queen Bee's birthday. Uh, shout out to Abia. Uh, happy birthday. You are so loved. Uh, also known as the Pina. Um, she made me go to a skate park, which was cool. I hadn't been to a skate park in a while and I remembered, um, you know, how fun it was to just be there. I didn't do a ton of stuff, skated around a little bit, a little bit of carving, just trying to get used to being around all of it. You know, there were some sick skaters out there. So I was uh, stoked. Um, she was on her roller skates and she decided to, you know, basically leave me behind. Um, <laughs> I took a bunch of pictures, you know, I did that uh, Instagram boyfriend thing where I just take the pictures and they do the thing. I'm, I think that's how that works. I'm not exactly sure. So I got to watch one championship and then I watched it again and I watched individual fights and some clips of it and it was exciting. So for those of you that don't know, one championship puts on a lot of different types of fights, right? They put on MMA fights, they put on kickboxing fights and they put on straight Muay Thai fights. Um, what's special about these fights are, of course, they're doing everything in four ounce gloves uh, as opposed to boxing gloves. And they're keeping the kickboxing rules, the kickboxing rules, the Muay Thai rules, the Muay Thai rules. And it's made for some pretty interesting and exciting fights. This fight card that came by was insane. It had great a great main card for the most part. And I'll get into that in a second. But let me just say one more time. Overall, it was a fantastic week. I hope you guys got to watch the fights. I hope everything is going well in your lives. And um, for me, I'm just doing my thing. So let's get into one championship real quick. All right. First fight of the night was uh, Stamp Fairtex versus Sunisa Sorizen. I, okay. I don't know how you go um, from Stamp Fairtex fighting a sick kickboxing bout with Janet Todd. A rematch, no less, losing her title, but, you know, those fights between the two were so, so high level. 
to fighting in an MMA fight. I mean, she apparently supposedly had great judo, but she got stopped from trying to use her judo. She got taken down. She got submitted, even though she never tapped. And basically, the ref just stopped the fight. Thank God. Um, it's not that the fight was... Okay, yeah, the fight was bad. Not only was it bad, but it just didn't make sense. You had this great fight card with all these amazing fighters on it, including Sam Fairtex. Amazing, right? Still up and coming. But with all these great fighters on it that could have been very entertaining, and instead, the first fight on the main card is this. It wasn't even worthy of actually... I mean, it was an undercard fight at best. And I'm not... Listen, I'm not dissing anybody, anybody that gets in there, especially... Uh, this young lady, uh, Sunisa, who was fighting her idol. She had like five fights or something like that. She went in there and she fought her idol. And I mean, she, there wasn't a lot that was going on. I mean, she clearly was getting whooped up in the stand-up. She attempted to clinch and try to do some, you know, some kind of head and arm throws. And it just, there was nothing ever materialized. So I would just say, let's not ever do that again, one championship. It's not, it's not necessary, man. I mean, really. <sighs> Could have just made her have a, you know, gave her a kickboxing or a Muay Thai fight against somebody that was going to give us a show. Or maybe they were just trying to build her confidence. But I don't know how you build your confidence against the level of competition like that. It just, I mean, anyway. I'll move on, move on, move on. Uh, Sidichai fought Superbon in a kickboxing fight. This had to be set up this way, I'm assuming, because Sinichai's been fighting in Glory, and obviously Glory hasn't been doing very much, um, and now he's over at one, and this fight was, uh, as uh, Ozzy Man might say, Ozzy Man reviews, kicky, kicky, punchy, punchy. Yeah, this fight was crazy for the, it was only three rounds, there was no clinch, obviously, there was no elbows. I, I mean, I honestly thought Sidichai had a, had edged this fight because Superbon was doing a lot of countering, and a lot of times he missed. Sidichai played his distance really well. He boxed pretty well, especially early. Uh, Superbon had some small successes, but he just basically he did not take a ton of damage. But to me, he didn't dish anything. Um, Sidichai threw a lot, didn't give a ton of damage, but to me, he scored more. But nonetheless, it was a three round. Um, fireworks display and the techniques were great and it was you know I kick you, you kick me, I kick you combination for combination back and forth, somebody was finishing with something almost every single time and they both worked some decent boxing with leg techniques they didn't throw a ton of knees but the knees were good look it was a good fight they both uh threw a ton of techniques i wouldn't say they took a ton of damage but they threw a bunch of techniques and it was beautiful to watch so yatsen Klai fairtex fought Petch Marcot, and i watched this fight a few times this is one of the fights that i've watched you know probably more than the others i definitely watched the others twice and some rounds and some pieces and you know individually yatsen Klai was pressing this whole fight Petch was what Petch does. He was pretty elusive. Uh, his defense in close when, uh, Yah does his thing where he starts firing off, you know, sort of straight lefts, double uppercuts, 
you know, straight, straight lefts to the body, all of these things. He had this, this great guard. It was a great long guard where he tucked his chin really deep and his elbow inside. So when, um, Yad was throwing those uppercuts, he was hitting a lot of arm and elbow and he couldn't get around the hook, uh, the shoulders for the hooks. But I'm going to be honest. I think he did enough the, to win the fight. I thought Petch, uh, played way on the outside. Uh, a bit too much. I think he did great things to try to bring that fight back to Yad at moments. Uh, he, he would catch a lot and counter with a bunch of straight punches, right? Straight lefts over and over and over. I think that was the other thing is Yad seems to me, I mean, I could be wrong, but he seems to me to be busier with an orthodox fighter throwing his left body cake. And because they were both southpaw, he didn't throw as many of those. He really was counting on his boxing. That's another thing. I noticed that four-ounce gloves for Muay Thai fighters really has pushed some of these guys to start throwing really heavy punches and throwing them in fours and fives and sixes and not twos and threes. They're using a lot of kicks to keep their opponent at the right, at the distance they want, as opposing to use the kicks for damage. Um, I didn't see a lot of damaging kicks. I thought Yad won the fight with his boxing, but Petch did a lot of great countering. Um, at one point, he worked on clinching and first or second round, and Yad hit him with an elbow that cut him. But he didn't go to Yad didn't go to work on that cut, which he probably should have. But nonetheless, if you ask me. If I'm judging the fight, I'm saying two to two going into the fifth. And then I strongly believe that Petch didn't do enough in the fifth round to win the fight. And I thought Yad was, listen, Yad had Petch marked out on the ropes basically throughout the entire fight. So I thought that that was another amazing fight, man. Uh, the main event, Rotang versus Petch Dam. <sighs> If you're Petch Dam, you are fighting uphill from the get-go. The problem here is Petch Dam had the right um, strategy. He was using super long teeps, uh, really long jabs. Clearly, he was taller than Rotang, but Rotang's a tank, right? So this is one of those situations, again, where you're fighting somebody that you have to keep at your distance so that you can do your work, right? So that you can strike where you want to strike. If they get in close, you want to try to clinch them. But, you know, Rotang's a tank. So inside on the clinch wasn't much better than, you know, inside with the striking. Definitely better working outside. Long kicks, making Rotang have to, like, you know, lean back out of the way. Um, the problem was when Petchdam would land a solid strike um, many times in the fight, there was an elbow that he landed clean. Um, Rotang's head kind of knocked back. But then he attacked and landed three or four, maybe five shots right after that. I mean, heavy, hard hooks and uppercuts and whatnot and body shots. You know, he's throwing liver shots and going up and down. You can only do so much to keep people like that off of you um, when they have good cardio, when they're not afraid to get to get in there because they're not worried about getting hit. And I think that was one of the big uh, things I noticed too about Rotang was like, it didn't matter to him that he got hit. He got cracked 
three or four times in the in the closing rounds, the last two rounds, where he was in the middle of a combination. He threw two strikes, gets cracked with a hook. You know, they're both inside. He gets cracked, and when he gets cracked, it never stopped his flow of his techniques. He would get hit, and then right back in, pressing hard, throwing volume. He was methodical about how he moved in. He would defend himself. You know, he'd take a seat, come right back forward. You know, take a, a high kick on the air, take a kick on and take it on the arms. Never budged, just right back forward. And from his positioning, he would s- slide into that range with volume. I mean, as soon as he stepped past that boundary where he was in his striking range, he was striking. And he was throwing with intent, uh, sharp. And it was, here's the other thing. There was points in the fight, I wrote this down, where punches, strikes, elbows were coming from everywhere. Oh, right. He starts, sets in the, the, the cross, the over, the hook, the uppercut, the elbow right away, the hook back on the other side. So he was throwing hooks on one side, elbows on the other side, and it didn't matter which arm, right? I think I saw elbows come from either side. And coming off the hook on one side, or the elbow starts the, co- the 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 combination, so to speak. Throw hits him with the elbow, and then hits him with the hook on the other side. Then the uppercut, then the body shots, body shots on both sides of the body. Um, and when he started throwing kicks, and then he started throwing knees, Petchmorkat got rocked, stumbly rocked, happy legs a couple times throughout the fight or in the fight. Now, to his credit. He was trying to turn it up in the fifth round. I mean, everything he did in the fifth round, he was really trying to like, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to do this. Everything was ineffective. Everything was ineffective. The power wasn't enough to do anything to uh, Rotang. And then the elusiveness and then just the ability to hurt him, hurt Rotang in a way that can line up further techniques down the road to try to, you know, get a finish. You know, it was clear that he wasn't going to win the fight, but, you know, he was strong enough in the fifth to be pressing the action himself and trying to bring the fight to Rod Tang. And even I think Michael Chavello was saying, you know, he could, if he could get a question mark, kick over the shoulder something because Rod Tang wasn't pressing the action in the fifth so much. I mean, he threw some stuff. He threw every time he threw, he threw, you know, to do damage. But I think he knew he had won the fight handily. And Petch was really trying to turn it up. So it didn't make sense for him to run in there, you know, recklessly and try to do any, do, do something crazy and risk losing a fight that he was already winning all the way through even the middle of the fifth round. But like I said, to his, to his credit, Petch then brought everything he could bring in the fifth to try to turn it, to do something. But um just didn't happen. Wasn't effective. Overall, I enjoyed the fight card. I watched some of the undercard fights. They were good as well. Um, listen, whatever politics people have about one, whatever politics they have about the UFC, whatever politics they have about Bellator or any other fight organization, yeah, man, I hear you. I'm always on the, on the side of the fighters. I really want them to get paid. I want them to be represented properly, and I want them to, to shine in the light, as they say. Um, because it's fleeting moments and the damage is long-term and unless you're financially stable, you gotta, you gotta work when it's over. You know, you hear about a lot of fighters that are firemen, 
you know, after they finish, become cops, after they finish, uh, get a job doing construction, after they finish fighting. So, that being said, I'm always on the side of the fighters. Um, some fighters seem to be happy at one. Some may not be. I don't know. All I know is, you know, this fight card was good. Some fight cards, maybe not. But I love these four-ounce gloves. I love the fact they're doing Muay Thai and kickboxing. And that we're not inundated with MMA from all directions. So, that being said, if you haven't seen one, go check it out. Get the app. I think, actually, this one's called No Surrender. And it you can find on YouTube, I think, uh, Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report Sports, Bleacher, put it out, and they, were, they have a partnership with one. So anyway, go check the fights. They were all good. I, I mean, I really enjoyed them, man. Really, really enjoyed them. Hopefully, we get some more of those. I think one has another uh, tournament coming up. Go check it out. All right, so let's discuss willingness. Um, just riding in on the back of the one championship. Because the fights weren't just great because they were um, set up with great opponents, right? The fights were also great because of the, the, the fighters' willingness to mix it up, right? To get into the point where we see strikes coming back and forth, counters. Um, now, granted, some of the fights, uh, like I said, there was moments in the Yacht fight, Pitchmore Cat circled a lot in that fight. He did the right things he needed to do to sort of maybe sway the judges. He struck at the right times. But I'm here to tell you right now, this is not the norm. It's just not. Um, I fought in fights where I thought my elusiveness was fantastic, right? I thought I was like, oh, I'm so elusive. The dude didn't hit me. Uh, I feel super stoked. I know I'm about to win this fight. And, um, and then I realized I lost the fight. And I lost the fight because... I played too much on my elusiveness and defense. I didn't let the guy hit me. I defended everything. I moved out of the way. I was jabbing and low kicking for basically three rounds. I mean, I'm sure there was times where we mixed it up a little bit, but I played a lot of rope game, moving around, making him miss, and I lost the fight. Um, it is not the usual. People, promoters, judges, first of all, you want judges to judge a fight, right? Um they're probably a little better judging it if it's a kickboxing or Muay Thai fight. But the reality is they need something to judge. There are some upside and downside to all of this. How high is your skill set? How high is your ring IQ? What is it that you're searching for? At what level are you in your fight career? Um, by the way, this is all transferable into life. Your willingness to take opportunities when they are presented to you versus uh, willingness to sit back and say, maybe I'll do it next time. I'm going to tell you right now, there was a moment in my life when I got offered the opportunity to open my gym. I mean, it literally did not take me long to think about it, but I remember the moment that I sat there going, oh shit, this is, it's happening. It's happening. I'm finally getting this opportunity. Somebody's offering me something. Now I can throw it Throw all of my comfortability away and shoot for this dream, or I can just stay comfortable and maybe I'll try it again later. And you never know when these things are going to come back in your life. So willingness is big. In fighting, it's big. Um, you want the fans to be excited, right? You want wins, right? You need to get paid. If you're a fighter, winning money, right? I'm glad you love it, 
But once you start doing it as a prize fighter, you really should be focused on trying to get some of the prize. Listen, I think if you're expecting to get any kind of sponsorships, if you're expecting to get bonus pay, if you're expecting to get uh, people to buy your t-shirts on your own uh, website, then you have to be an exciting fighter to some extent. I mean, listen, personality is a lot. You can get on the mic and yap, yap, yap your fucking head off. But the reality is um, they also need to see some action for the yapping. Um, if you, like I said, if you want opportunity, if you want opportunity, you have to be willing to show people everything, everything you've been working on in the gym. I've seen this before. There's gym fighters and, you know, it's fighters that fight in the gym and then fighters that fight in front of the audience. The truth of the matter is, you know, maybe it's psychological for those people that are really great in the gym and terrible in front of an audience, but it's irrelevant. Once you sign a contract and you get in front of an audience, you want to try to show them something. If you expect to be in the organization, if you expect to make money, if you expect to uh, get booked again, if you expect uh, people to purchase your t-shirts or listen to you in an interview, you need to be willing to get in there and fight. If you like the show, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, if you want to drop me a message, you can do that by DM at Lucky's Muay Thai. You can go check out the website if you're interested in the gym. It's www.luckysmt.com. And if you want to drop us an email to ask us some information about the gym, you can do that at luckysmtmiami at gmail.com. And as usual, I freaking love y'all. Peace. Oh, um, arrest the cops to kill Breonna Taylor. Um, condolences to people in Beirut. And, uh, you know, stay safe. I'm out.